is less of me, more of Jesus. Now, whenever we're singing that song that we just sang about we want more of the Lord, what we're really meaning, what that really means, we want less of us, more of Him. Less of my sinful attitude, more of His loving attitude. Less of my plans, more of His plans. Less of what I want, more of what He wants. I, I want to be filled with less of me, less of Whatever this world has to offer, I want to be filled with more of what he has to offer. Can you say amen? So, more Jesus, less me. I, I love that song. Thank you so much, brother. Great job as always. I, I tell you, it's always good being in the house of the Lord. But there's just something special here this morning, man. Just a sweet, sweet presence of, of, of freedom, of liberty. Now, I've got a theory on why that's so. First of all, just because God's good. I mean, he knows what we need when we need it. He knows... You know what, um, what, what's been going on this week. And he knows, um, he knows that we need a fresh touch. Amen. I mean, that's amazing to me. But, but secondly, i tell you something else I think that happens. There's no, it's no accident that a lot of people in this room this morning has been spending time in the throne room of God all week. And then you come in here this morning and God just pours out his spirit. And does a great work like he's already done. That's not coincidence. That's not by accident. It's just sad that sometimes it takes a tragedy to make that happen. What if? What if we did that every week? What if we spent time with the Lord in his throne room daily as we've been doing all week? What could it change? What if we got desperate? For a touch from God that only he could bring. Every week. Not just in bad times, but at all times. Because the truth is, we need it all times. Whether we realize it or not. Take your Bibles, turn them with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 18 this morning. Now I know, I told you I was going to spend the whole month of January and a little bit of February talking about the I Am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. And we're going to get back to that next week, Lord willing. Um, but this morning I just felt led to go in a different direction. So I want us to look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 16 through 18. Now, how many of you have ever asked God this? How many of you have ever said, Lord, I want to know your will? Raise your hand if you've prayed for the will of God in your life. All of us have. I'm sure of that. I, I've, I've done that regularly. I continually do that. I always want to be in the center of where God wants me. I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. I don't want to miss out on serving him and what he's called me to do in some area, in some way, whatever it may be. I want to be in the center of his will. All right, And so for a long time, and I feel like probably everybody's like that to a degree. You know, you, everybody wants to know what God has for them. If you're a believer, you certainly do, or you should. And so um, this morning, uh, I was just thinking about that. And, and for, for a long time, long time, I, I would think, well, Lord, give me your will. Show me what you want. And this is kind of what I was expecting, if I can illustrate it for you just a little bit. I was expecting God to speak with this great, big, booming voice from heaven. You know, and say, Israel, this is what I want, you know, and, and I, so that I, I can really hear it. I can really know that's what he wanted from me. I, I expected somehow that God would just open up a window in the side of my head and a beam of light would shine down from heaven and shine right into my head and I would know just exactly. That's kind of how I felt about understanding and knowing the will of God. Has anybody else ever kind of ever felt like that? It's kind of like a mystical thing that you've got to just 
Um, you know, God got to do it in, in such a miraculous, supernatural way that, that, that just absolutely blows your mind. Now, now let, me un, let me, I want you to understand something. Don't miss what I'm saying. God can do that. God can do that. Matter of fact, he's on record for doing that. He actually did that with the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. God can do that. I'm not saying God can't do that. I'm not saying God um, won't do that if he chooses to. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that God can handle that, but I'm not sure I could handle that. And I feel like he knows that. And it's really not necessary. He said, brother, what do you mean it's not necessary? So how am I going to know what God wants? Listen, I got a hold of this revelation that changed my life. And I want you to get a hold of it so to change your life. You know God's will according to his word. If you want to know what God's will is for you, believer, look to his word. If you want to know lost friend, what God's will is for you, look to His Word. The Word of God reveals the will of God for the people of God. It does. Now, let me ask you this. Can God speak through other people? Absolutely. No doubt about that. I'm telling you, man. How many times have you ever been in a service like this and God give you something just what you, maybe it's in a song or something, a testimony somebody gives, something that the pastor teacher says, or you've been in Sunday school and God gives you exactly what you did in that moment, just in that time of fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Sunday school. I mean, those things happen. That happens to me all the time. I love just sitting down and talking with brothers in Christ, sharing with what God has done in my life to them and, and have them share with me what God's done in their life and what God is doing in their life right now. That's such a blessing because in those times throughout my life, God has spoke to me in many wonderful, miraculous ways. He does. Sometimes God speaks to us. I, I, I'll be honest. I'll be riding down the road, man, and a song come on the radio and give me exactly what I need in that moment. Or, or a preacher's preaching on the radio, and I'm riding down the road, and man, I'm just having church right there in the cab of the truck or right there in my car or whatever the case may be. And, and God's giving me just what I need. So God does, certainly does speak through other people, through other ways, no doubt about it. But unless, listen to me. I want you to get a hold of this. The most sure revelation of what God wants to give you comes directly from His Word. And... If any revelation you think you get, if any word you think you get from God from somebody or something that just pops in your head, if any of that don't line up with God's word, that's not God's will. That's not God's will. And the reason I say that, we got to get a hold of that. I hear a whole lot of people, a whole lot of people talk about, well, God told me this and God told me that. And the truth is, I know God didn't tell them that. You want me to tell you why? Because what they're saying don't line up with his word. Let me give you, for instance, this actually happened to me. I was speaking to a man once upon a time. And we were talking about, he wanted to speak with me as his pastor at that time. We're, he's sitting across the desk from me. 
And this is what he says to me. He says, I believe the Lord spoke to me. I said, well, great. What do you think he said? He said, I think he told me to kill you. Yeah, that's what he told me. And I said, well, brother, let me tell you something. I promise I ain't of God. <laughs> God didn't tell you that. Now, that kind of unnerved me a little bit because I'm thinking, is it about to happen now? Or have you prepared for doing what you think God's told you to do? But the truth is, I knew God didn't tell him that because the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. Can you say amen? So God gets credit a lot of times for things God don't do. Are you getting me? God can and does speak to us in ways that only God can speak. But it must line up with his word. Man, I heard a testimony just this past weekend of a dear sister who heard from the Lord in a moment that she needed it in a way like only God can do it. And that is amazing. That is fantastic. God does speak to his people. If you can say amen, say amen. And so I, I believe that. I know that. But what I'm trying to share with you this morning is if you want to know what God wants for your life day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, if you know his, want to know his plan and his purpose for you, I'm going to tell you it's found in his word. It's found in his word. Let me share this with you that Dr. Warren Wiersbe said once upon a time, there can be a lot of emotion, a lot of commotion, but unless there is spiritual truth, the Holy Spirit is not at work. When we're in the church, there can be a lot of emotion and commotion but unless we're receiving spiritual truth God's Holy Spirit ain't working can you say amen and the only way we receive spiritual truth is how through the word of God now we get that in many different ways again we get it in Sunday school we get it in small groups we get it in Wednesday night Bible study you don't know, you know why the, the songs that we were singing this morning is so powerful you don't know why that's so amazing we get to worship God like that I'll tell you why because the truth of those songs finds its foundation in the word of God that, that's power in that. And when God's people sing them as praise unto the Lord, man, I'm telling you, the Lord works like only he can work, and, and we're so thankful for it. But everything we do must find its foundation in God's truth. That's where we find his will. That's where we find his will. That's where we find his ways. That's where we find what he wants for us on an individual basis. Make everything we do from every plan, every program, every class, every ministry, may it find its foundation in the Word of God. It must. And if it doesn't, leave it alone. If it doesn't, get back to God's Word. If it doesn't, repent and trust the Lord. Placing faith in what He said. Can you say amen? We got to, we've got to. So this morning, what I wanted, want you to see is three specific things that I know to be God's will for you and for me. Look what it says there. First Thessalonians chapter number five, starting in verse number 16. Rejoice evermore. That's the first thing. Number, uh, verse 17, pray without ceasing. That's the second thing. Verse 18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What's God's will? We know God's will is to rejoice continually. 
We know God's will is to pray unceasingly. And we know God's will is to praise fervently. This is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We're thankful that your word tells us your way. Your word gives us your will. And Lord, help us to take your word and then make application to our lives so that we might be what you want us to be. Lord, I'm thankful that you speak to hearts in ways that only you can speak to hearts. And I'm praying today you do just that in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, he says, first of all, rejoice evermore or rejoice continually what does it mean to rejoice my favorite definition for rejoice is this we can only find and exhibit joy in our lives because or when we realize who God is that's what rejoicing is all about the root word of rejoice is the three word that's a huge word joy and so listen folks the only way we can truly find joy and exhibit joy in our life it's getting a revelation of who God is to us. So who is he? Well, first of all, God is creator. Let me give you three different scriptures this morning that have rejoice in it that I hope makes this uh, clear to you and shows you what God's word is saying to all of us. First of all, Psalm 118, 24. Brother, you was all over my message this morning as you was, uh, as you was sharing, and I'm thankful for that. That just let me know. Um, that, that God was doing something, but that was confirmation for me. But Psalm 118.24, the Bible says, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So what's the psalmist saying? He's got a hold of some revelation, first of all, of who God is. Because what? look how he says it. This is the day the Lord hath made. He's rejoicing in the Lord. He has joy in his heart and is exhibiting, in it, exhibiting it in his life because he realizes God is creator. God has created. He said, this is the day God made it. <laughs> now, I was riding to church just this morning, and man, I was thinking on this message, and I was thinking about that very verse. I walked out of my house, and man, that cool, well, not cool, cold winter air hit me right in the face, and it got me woke up, and, and man, the, the, the birds were singing, and the sky was blue, and the sunshine was shining bright, and I thought, man, God had to make this. He had to make this. Only God could do this. And all the way over here, I'm thinking, I am getting the privilege and taking advantage of the opportunity to come and be a part of what the God who made this day is going to do in our church this morning. Are you hearing me? I get to be a part of his work in this earth. I'm talking about the one who made that blue sky and the one who made those singing birds and the one who made the green trees that I drove by on the way to church. I get to be a part of what he's doing. I get to come worship him for he alone is worthy. Isn't that awesome? I get to do it. Did you hear it? I get to do it. Get out of the mindset, I have to go to church today like it's some kind of burden. Folks, listen to me. This is not a burden, it's a blessing. We get to come worship him, he who is creator. We get to come be a part of what he's doing. I know we got busy lives. I know you're tired sometimes. I know you don't feel well sometimes, but you know what? Whether you feel like it or not, God's still worthy of worship. 
Whether I feel like it or not, God's still worthy of worship. I know a lot of times you've got things you need to do. Let me tell you something. Church is a great reason to miss other things, not the other way around. Let me say it again for those that, that missed it. Church is a great reason to miss other things, not the other way around. Why? Because we're getting to come worship Him. We're getting to come experience Him. We're getting to come and listen, just bask in His glory and presence. It's refreshing. It lifts my spirits. Gets me through my week. Can you say amen? I need Him. I need this. I need the church needs me. We're all in this together. Can you say amen? We're many members in one body. It's not that we have to do it. Oh, praise God. We get to do it. We get to do it. We get to worship Him. He is Creator. Let me tell you something else. So he's also Savior. He is Savior. Look what Jesus said. I love this verse. It comes in, in the book of Luke, chapter number 10 and verse number 20. Luke 10 and 20. The disciples were at the command of Jesus going out into the villages that were in the surrounding area where they were at that time. And they were preaching the gospel of the kingdom. They were preaching the message that Jesus had came to preach to them. And now they're preaching it to others. Praise the Lord. That's how it works. And so listen to me now. They're going out, doing the work that God's called them to do. And in the process of doing so, they find that God's power is with them. They're going out, doing what God has saved them and called them to do. And they find that God's power is with them. Isn't that good? Do you know what God calls you to do? He gives you the power to do it. So there's no more I can't. There's no more I can't teach the class. I can't pray the prayer. There's no more I can't witness. God knew you can't whenever he saved you. He gave you his spirit so you could. So that when we go out to do his work, his power is with us, in us, working on us, working through us for his honor and his glory. Are you getting me? The disciples find that the power of God is with them. And, and so much so that they're actually casting out demons in the name of Jesus. Now, is it the power of the disciples that's doing that? No, it's the power of the name of Jesus. The demons had to flee. And they're all pumped up about it. They come back and they say, Lord, you ain't going to believe this, man. We out there doing it big. I'm telling you, we are casting out demons. People's getting healed. All kinds of amazing stuff is happening. Look what Jesus says in this verse. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Somebody say amen. How are their names written in heaven? Because he's Savior. They believed on him. They trusted in him. Because he is the way to the Father and they've believed and trusted in the way. They're following the way. Because he is the truth and they've took hold of the truth and believed it in their heart, confessed it with their mouth and are applied to their lives. He is the life and it's made a difference in them that's working its way out of them. Can you see amen? And so he says, don't rejoice that the demons know you. You better rejoice that God's put your name down. And he's put his name down because I am a Savior. That's what Jesus is saying. We should rejoice in the fact that he's creator. Oh, but listen, we've got to rejoice in the fact that he's Savior. He's Savior. I rejoice in the fact this morning that 
Folks, I know in whom I've trusted, and I'm persuaded that he is able. I rejoice in the fact this morning that I know in whom I believed, and when I close my eyes in death, I know where I'm spending eternity, not because of who I am, but because in whom I've trusted. For the believer to live is Christ. Praise the Lord. If I keep living, I just want to keep living for Jesus, walking with Jesus, allowing Jesus to live in me in the person of the Holy Spirit, and listen, live through me in the person of the Holy Spirit. That's living as Christ. But the, the Apostle Paul said, but to die is gain for me. I win either way. And if you're a child of God, you do too. Why? Because he's Savior. That's a reason to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Praise God. I've got a hold of the, the, um, the truth of who He is. And we exhibit joy because we know who He is. We rejoice. He's Creator. He's Savior. Let me give you another one. He's Sustainer. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4. Great verse. Look how Paul puts it here. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Everybody say always. And again, I say rejoice. He don't say rejoice in the Lord sometimes, does he? And he doesn't say rejoice in the Lord in good times, does he? He don't say rejoice in the Lord just in bad times, does he? He said rejoice in the Lord always. Wherever you find yourself, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Why? Why? Because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. God is always working all things together for your good and His glory <laughs> as His people. Isn't that awesome? So we rejoice in Him always. Sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we don't have a clue why things happen like they happen. But according to the truth of the Word of God, we can rejoice always because He sustains His people. In good times, in bad times, at all times. Rejoice always. See, when Paul wrote this, he's in a prison. He's being kept 24 hours a day Usually chained to a guard, a Roman guard, a centurion. Now listen to me. He's, he, all that's happening to him because, not because he's doing something wrong, but because he's doing something right. How many of you can handle bad stuff happening to you when you're, when you're doing something you ain't supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, I understand it a little bit. I mean, if, I'm, if I leave here this evening and I get out on the road, this actually happened to me the other day. I, I don't, not trying to bring glory to it, but it's just the way it is. I, I leave out, I, I'm going down this road right here, um, out in front of the church, 25. It was on uh, one evening last week after work, I stopped by and, and studied and prayed a little bit. And I was going back to the house. And when I was riding down the road there, uh, I seen blue lights in my rear view. And there's a state trooper that actually pulled me over. All right, He walks up to the door and he said, Man, are you in a hurry? And I said, yeah, I was really. I said, was I going faster than I need to be? He said, yeah, you was going about 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. Do y'all know it's 45 miles an hour here on this road? 
I didn't even know that. I said, man, I'm sorry, buddy. I said, hey, listen, do what you got to do, man. I understand completely. Because I did. I'm in the wrong. Makes sense. If you're in the wrong, I don't, listen, something, not really bad, but it's not the thing that I wanted to happen. <laughs> right? If that, I can, I can understand that. I can deal with that. Now, what is hard for me to stomach Let's just say that I was running the speed limit and he pulls me over and says, I'm going to give you a ticket. That would have been tough for me to swallow because I wasn't doing nothing wrong. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, praise God, he didn't give me a ticket to the day. You know what he said? Pastor, slow it down. That got me a little bit. That got me. A little. You know what I'm saying? People do look at you. Not just the pastor, you too. If you claim the name of Jesus. And so, anyway, I can handle it if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. But if I'm doing what, then it hurts me a little bit. Paul has done everything he's supposed to do. He's preaching the gospel. He's doing exactly what God said, and he's doing it faithfully. He's even being persecuted for the cause of Christ. And now he finds himself in a prison cell. This is the amazing thing, though. Instead of him being discouraged and depressed and disappointed and whatever, he says, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. You go back and read in the book of Philippians. He said that he was glad he is where he is. Because while he's there, others in the prison are hearing about Jesus. Even up to the house of Caesar himself is hearing about Jesus. Listen, while he's sitting in those prisons, he's writing about half the New Testament. And that which looked bad became very good. Why? Because God can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. And he can cause all things to work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Are you getting a hold of this? Sustainer. He sustains us. He helps us through. He's with us in good times, bad times, at all times. Rejoice always. Now listen to me. We need to rejoice, but then the Bible says we need to pray. Pray unceasingly. Pray without ceasing, is what 17 says. Now, what does this mean? It means just talking to the Lord. Do you know you don't have to have a seminary degree to pray? You don't have to know any big words to pray. Matter of fact, sometimes, according to what Jesus said, God gets sick of the big words. <laughs> Jesus pretty much said that. Don't use vain repetitions. Don't, and we all guilty of it. I do the same thing. But sometimes I think, and the Lord convicted me over this. Listen, we're not, we shouldn't be trying to impress God by how we speak. That's not what this is about. Shouldn't be trying to impress others with how we speak. What God wants us is to be real. What God wants to just come clean before him and say, Lord, this is what's going on. This is what I need. 
That's what he wants. Talk to him as you're talking to your daddy. Just last week, I went down and borrowed my daddy's tractor. Do some work at the house. When I called him up, let me tell you what I didn't say. I did not say, oh, thou father. <laughs> I stand greatly in need of the tractor that you possess. And I ask, if it be in thy perfect will, that you would lend me that tractor so that I could haul a piano off. I didn't say that. You know what I said? Dad, what's up? How you doing? Hey, I was wondering if I might could borrow your tractor. I need to move some stuff. And he said, yeah, man, go get it. You know where the key's at. I said, thank you, Dad. I love you. I'll see you later. You want me to tell you why? Because I got a relationship with my dad. Now, I'm not saying don't, don't be disrespectful to the Lord. I'm not saying that. I wouldn't be disrespectful to my father. I don't want to do that. You shouldn't do that. I'm just saying, talk to God like you're talking to Daddy. Because that's who He is. He's our Abba Father. Amen? Just get real with Him. Be you. He knows who you are. He knows who you're not. Just be you. Talk to Him. Now, let me give you some good news. I'm going to give you three instances in the Word of God where prayer changed things. It amazes me. It amazes me. First of all, in Isaiah chapter number 38, you're going to find the story of King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord that the Lord would lengthen his days, would give him more life. And guess what happened? God answered that prayer. Even though God had already said, you can go back and read it, Isaiah 38, please do. About the first 20 verses. God had said, Hezekiah, you're about to die. Your days are coming to an end. Through the prophet Isaiah, that's what he told Hezekiah. Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord. And after Hezekiah prayed, the Lord lengthened his life. Listen, prayer changes things. It's amazing. Let me tell you something else. Acts chapter 12, verse number 5. I've already talked about it. Peter was about to be executed the next morning, but prayer was made from the church, listen, without ceasing, and it changed things for Peter. Prayer changes things. Let me give you one that will really blow your mind. Exodus 32, 14. Exodus 32, 14. God had got sick and tired of the grumbling and the murmuring of the nation of Israel in the wilderness. They had turned their back on him one too many times. God got sick of it. And he said, you know what I'm fixing to do? I'm fixing to destroy the whole nation and start all over. Moses, I'll start over with you. That's what he said. And the Bible says... Moses prayed unto the Lord, and after the prayer of Moses in Exodus 32, 14, God changed his mind. Now, in the King James, it says God repented. Don't, don't, don't get that wrong. Don't get mixed up on that. That doesn't mean God sinned. To repent is to change direction, to change your mind, to change your actions. That's what that means. And so when the Bible says God repented, it means that he, meant, uh, he was fixing to destroy this people but he changed his mind. Why did he change his mind? Because of prayer. Are you getting that? Think how powerful that is, folks. Now, I'm telling you, we all trust God's will because God's will is the best way. But I'm thankful prayer changes things. And if it don't change the thing like you want it to change, what it will certainly do is change you. It will. Prayer is amazing. E.M. Bounds, who I believe to be the greatest writer on prayer, 
He wrote about seven books on prayer. I've read two of them. You're talking about some good stuff. Fantastic. He said, we can do a whole lot for the Lord after we pray. But we can do nothing effectively until we pray. And he's right. A lot of times we think, man, we're really doing the work of God after we do the prayer. I mean, we, after, we, we, we pray as a segue to get into worship. We pray as a segue to get into preaching. We pray as a segue to get into the lesson. Folks, that's not how it should be looked at. Listen, prayer is not getting ready for the work. Prayer is the work. Prayer is the work that makes all the difference. I'm telling you, it changes things. That's what Paul says, pray without ceasing. So rejoice continually. Pray unceasingly. Praise Praise fervently, fervently. You know what I like this morning? I heard some fervent praise. Isn't that good? Now, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I grew up in a very traditional church, as probably many of you did. I mean, listen, the, you didn't say amen much. You certainly didn't raise your hand unless you had a question. And it was iffy then. That's this kind of place. And that's, I'm not against anybody who believes that way. Don't get me wrong. But let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with being free in your worship. You know that? The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, I would that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Why do we lift hands in worship to the Lord? It's the ultimate sign of surrender. Isn't it? Brother Scotty, if you came to arrest me today and you, you, you listen, it came down to the point where you're fixed to put the cuffs on and, and, and I'm not wanting to be arrested and you say freeze and draw that pistol, what, what do you think I'm probably going to do? What are you going to tell me to do? Put my hands up. Why? It's a sign of surrender. I'm done. It's over. It's no longer about what I want. It's about what you want. God, have your way. Have your will. Do your work. Lord, we need you. We work. We praise you. Nothing wrong with raising your hands in worship. Keep doing it. Start doing it. Nothing wrong with it. You hear me? Nothing wrong with clapping. The Bible speaks of it in the book of Psalms. Clap unto the Lord. Amen. Why? What's that doing? That's exhibiting joy. It's exhibiting joy. Sing with a joyful spirit and a joyful heart. Making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And you say, brother, that's about all I can do is make a joyful noise. I'm with you, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep doing it. Why? Because he's worthy. I found out who he is. That's given me joy. And then I exhibit that joy with my praise when I fervently praise. King David was a man of praise. A man after God's own heart. You know what he said? He said, I will continually praise thee, O Lord. You'll do the same. When you come in here on a Sunday morning, praise Jesus. Lift him up. Sing to him. Praise him for who he is and for what he's done. Listen, when you come in here on a Sunday night, praise Jesus. When you come in here on a Wednesday night, praise Jesus. When you get up on a, on a Monday morning, before you get out of your bed, praise Jesus. Say, Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning. You know what I've been thanking the Lord for in the last three or four days? Heaters. <laughs> Do you know there's a lot of people in this world that ain't got a heater this morning? 
Do you know that? You know what I thank the Lord for a whole lot? Full cupboards. Do you know if you've got plenty to eat today, and you know what you're going to eat this evening, you're doing better than about 72% of the world? We don't even get that here in America because we're so stinking blessed. But other places, people are starving. So I just thank the Lord for full cupboards. I praise Him when I see them full cupboards. Let me tell you what else I praise Him for. Paid bills. Instead of, instead of being so angry and, because and, uh, I've been there too, so angry and just dead gum. what's the word? Discouraged. Frustrated, discouraged, that's good. When you're writing those bills out, when you write the last one and it's paid and you got a little left over, say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're meeting my need. You're bringing me through. Praise him. Every step of the way, praise him. He's worthy, isn't he? This is God's will concerning you. Rejoice continually. Pray unceasingly. Praise fervently. Everybody stand together. Maybe you need prayer this morning. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in your life, but the Lord does. And so I'm going to give you a time of invitation where if you'd like to come and pray or be prayed for, I'd love to pray for you as your pastor. You need to be saved today. God's still able. He's still in the saving business. So would you please come if you need anything this morning um, and just seek the Lord. Maybe you just want to come and praise Him. And just say, Lord, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Thank you for your provision. Thank you, Lord, for doing things that nobody else knows about. I, I tell the Lord that a lot sometimes because I'm a weirdo. I, I really am. I'm a, I'm a weird dude. I'm what's called an extroverted introvert, if that makes any sense whatsoever. I'm okay talking to people, but sometimes I get shook up talking to people. It's weird. It's weird. Sometimes I'll go, I'll go days without saying nothing to nobody. It's not that I'm mad, not that anything's wrong, it's just me. And I'll just, I'll just be by myself, you know. And so when the Lord helps me in that stuff, because I know what it's like being anxious and worry and get shook up about certain things that don't really wouldn't make a hill of beans to nobody else. But when God helps me with that stuff, I just say, Lord, thank you for doing things that nobody else knows nothing about. Do you know that's the God we serve? He's personal and he's real and he's so good. I don't know how he does it, but he does. So maybe today, you need him in some way because he's able. Go ahead, brother.